14 or 15. Uh, just turn over to 1 Samuel 14. 1 Samuel 14. You guys got a great church, I'll tell you. God's doing good things here. You're really blessed. You're, really, you're super blessed to have Pastor Blake and Carla as your pastors. Amen. You are really, really blessed. They are a tremendous couple. And I'll tell you what, one of the things that makes them so special is that they, they have a vision. They're, they're visionaries. They, they're looking down the road. And it's so good to have a leader that you're partnering with that isn't reacting to every problem. Sometimes we react, you know what I mean? It's like instead of, instead of uh, uh, addressing things and moving forward, we've got a place to go and things to do. We just react to problems as they come. And, and uh, so we're like a, a pinball machine, you know, and, and it's, things are just bouncing all over the place. But to have a vision and to be able to see it and to see what God is doing is so valuable. And I thank God for Pastor Blake and Carla, also really, I really appreciate uh, another brother in the church. I won't mention his name, but he happens to be sitting in the church right now all the way in the very back, Jimmy. And so, uh, I, you know, one thing I, I just tell you, you know what? Let me tell you, you got a lot of faith, my friend. And, and the reason why I say that is because when we were standing in here before this place was even built out and everything was kind of in shambles, we were looking at the bathrooms, you remember you and I were walking around in the bathrooms back there, and somebody came in, and they were looking for the, the Western store and everything else, and, they were, and, and he had a vision for what was happening. He says, we're in the preaching business now, and that's what we're doing. We're in the preaching business now. Amen? And I appreciate, appreciate you so much. I know you don't want me to, anybody to mention you or anything like that, but I just had to tell you, I really do appreciate you. Appreciate Pastor Blake and Carla and uh, everybody here. You're, you're, you're a wonderful church. This church is going somewhere. God is, God is leading us in, in day by day, year by year. And I, as I've seen this church go from that little, that little storefront, that little bitty storefront in the very beginning, and then what God did over at the, at the club over here, and now what God is doing here, imagine how things are going to shape out if we just stay on course with what the Lord is leading us. It'll be such a blessing. And you know, sometimes we, we look at people, and, and sometimes it even happens with pastors, that pastors come to a rally like we had. Just this last one. We have pastors coming from Colorado and Wyoming, all these different places. They look at this. And they see what God is doing. And they, I'm not saying that they think that, but sometimes people look at other Christians even, and they think, is, are they in a special category? Are they in a special, are they in a special place where God is blessing them? And, and why, is it, why aren't these things happening in my life? But I want you to know God is not a respecter of persons. It doesn't, it's not like he wants to, he wants to hold one person back and, and turn the other one loose. Or he wants, somehow he's trying to, to teach us a lesson. There, there's some, faith is so important. And so many times we, uh, we, we are adverse to risk. We're too cautious in life. And the reason some people get ahead and others are, are, are left behind in a sense, they heard the same preaching, they were in the same service, 
They had the same opportunity, but one took the, the word and took that thing serious and said, you know, I think I could see that happen in my marriage. I think God could do that in my life, and I'm willing to change whatever things are necessary. I'm willing to deal with whatever obstacles are in the way because I want to see God do that thing in my life. And it's a willingness to be obedient. It's a willingness to take a risk. And there, let me tell you, there are, there are so many risk takers in life. When I watch a, a television program like, like Shark Tank, and I see somebody with some wild and crazy idea, and then they say, how much of your own money did you put in? Oh, I put in 180000 I borrowed all my parents' money and all my friends' money, and I put all my time, and I quit my job, and I did all of these things because I believe in this one thing. Sometimes I look at those ideas, I think, that, I don't know about that. I'm not so sure about that idea. They got this invention, this idea, or something like that. But then I see the ones, how many, how many know what I'm talking about, that show Shark Tank? And then they, they, they will show uh, an update. And then it shows, you know, we, when we came on the show, we were X, Y, and Z, but now we're, you know, selling hundreds of millions of dollars, and we got all of these different things. Why can't God do something, an idea, or give a thought, or touch somebody's marriage, or do something, and, and work in, in that kind of fashion in your life? Of course he can. He's able to do it, and opportunity presents itself all the time, but we're not always in tune with the Holy Spirit, or when we hear it, we back off. We take a step back, but, you know, when we, we idolize risk takers. When we watch television, we watch, we watch people, they, they take all kinds of risk, and, and we cringe at their failures, and we cheer on their successes. But when we, when we turn the program off, we go back to our safe lives. We're staying at a, at a house just down the street here. We got on Airbnb, and they, the lady that lives there has notes all over the house. I mean, they're safety notes, you know, because we've never been in the house before. We don't know what to do with, you know, water and light switches and all those kinds of things. And she's got all of these warning signs everywhere and things that can happen to kids and, and different, all these different safety things. But listen, risk is all around us. When you get into your car and you get on this highway, you're going to be surrounded. It's risk. When you go and eat at a restaurant, you're taking a risk. I ate at a place in, in Kenya, and it was near our church because I could eat there cheap. I love to eat where I can eat cheap when I'm overseas. And I'm pretty gutsy when it comes to trying new things. And I was sitting there eating. It was me, and I don't, I don't know, maybe, maybe Elena or one of my kids, and a cockroach. I think it ran on my arm. I thought, get off of me. I just flicked that thing away, and I kept right on eating. But then one crawled up my leg, and I said, that's enough. I'm done. And I swatted that thing. I told him, I'm not eating, I'm not eating here anymore, I told the guy, until you clean that kitchen up. And I'm going to go back there and inspect it before I come back and eat. But listen, you take risks everywhere you go. You don't have to be overseas. You don't have to get on an airplane. Risk is all around us. Your risk of being injured by a malfunctioning television this year is 1 in 7,000. 28,000 people are treated at trauma centers every year for swallowing or handling cash. That's a lot of people. 
your chances of being seriously injured by Christmas decorations are 1 in 65,000. Statistics show that women are generally safer drivers than men until the age of about 35. Hello. But middle-aged men retake the safe driving trophy in their 40s. That would be me. In fact, statistically, a 42-year-old man is the safest driver on the road. What's not funny is the fact that 16, a 16-year-old 16 male driver is 40 times more dangerous on the highways than a 40-year-old woman. I have to argue with that one. I'm just kidding. But sometimes, you know, sometimes risk is ridiculous. When McDonald's has to tell you that their coffee is hot, they got a big warning that the coffee is hot. How many know that's ridiculous? Mattresses have tags on them warning not to remove them with the threat of legal action. Ladders are sold with warnings of possible falls. And they, so many of these things, uh, you, you see these in life. Some risk is sometimes ridiculous, but people are some, somehow ignorant of things. In every Christian's life, all of us, our lives are marked by windows of opportunity that demand us to take a radical step of faith if we're going to see the blessing of God or see a miracle in our lives. What I preached this morning was a challenge. For some people, they, they, they couldn't receive it. Others said, you know what, I'm all in. I believe it. God, you, if you can do it for somebody else, you can do it for me. And you cannot have the best that God has if, if you're unwilling to put your life in his hands and trust him with your life. There's times when, when God brings an opportunity. He'll bring it in your marriage. He'll bring an opportunity in a career. He'll bring an opportunity in finances. It could be in a relationship. And what he says is if, you're, if you want my best, you're going to have to obey me. You're going to have to trust me. You're going to have to take a risk. You're going to have to put your, your own uh, reason aside and, and trust me in this, and, and everything in you is, can be fearful. And you think, if I, if I do that, I could run the risk of losing, I could run the risk of losing my, my, my finances. I could run the risk of, of missing something. I don't, I don't know if I can take that chance. And this little window of opportunity is a radical step. And the reason it's radical is because you start thinking, if it doesn't work out, well, what if it doesn't work? What if I don't get healed? What if, what if, I, if uh, I get into this, this predicament and I can't afford to get out of it? What if God doesn't meet me on the other side? Do you, don't you think that, that, that there are so many challenges in, in life when it comes to just going through life and surviving and, and, and uh, being a part of a church, being in ministry, especially when you get involved in ministry and you want to do something for God? Many, many challenges. When we moved over to Kenya, we, we, you know, we didn't have any idea of what was going to happen. We had big dreams. We had big ideas. You can see there's the picture in the other room there of that big old white tent over in Kenya. And we, we put that thing inside of a container. All we knew was we wanted to go and preach the gospel over in Africa. That's all we knew. We just wanted to, we just wanted to try and trust God. God, are you going to meet us there? There wasn't anybody to, to meet us when we got off of the plane. 
I went over ahead of Emily and found a place for us to live. We put our kids in, in school. My son and, and daughter, Reese, uh, they would ride the bus all the way across town. Just, just, just trusting God and the, and, the, and the challenges that come along with that. But listen, where there is no risk, there's no faith. And when there's, when there's no faith, there's no power. And I want to have power in my life. In Hebrews 11, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. It, didn't, it doesn't say it's, it's difficult. It doesn't say that it's, it's sometimes a challenge. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And if you keep reading in that verse, it says, he that comes to God must believe that he is. He is who he says he is. That's what, that's what that really means. He is who he says he is, he can do what he says he's going to do, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him, who diligently seek him. God is a rewarder, amen? So I want to minister tonight on risk and risking our lives for the things of God. Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 14, let's look at verses 1. And we'll read all the way down to 13. It says, and I'm reading out of the NIV tonight. It says, now a detachment of Philistines had gone out to the pass at Mishmash. One day, Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he didn't tell his father. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migron. With him were about 600 men among whom was Ahijah, who was wearing an ephod. He was a son of Ichabod's brother, Ahitab, son of Phinehas. If you're looking for a good Bible name and you're pregnant, you can find a lot of them in here. The son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh. No one was aware that Jonathan had even left. And on each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozes and the other Sina. One cliff stood to the north towards Michmash, the other to the south towards Geba. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Here, just let me pause there for a second. He had an understanding of who God was there right there. He says, nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or few. He doesn't need an entire army. I've seen and I know what God can do is what he's saying. And if God can do it with a lot, he can do it with a little. Already you can see faith is building in this young man's heart. He, he understands that, that there, with, with God there's possibilities. And he says it. It might be, or it may be, in the King James, it may be that something can happen, and it says perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. In other words, we don't have a guarantee. You know what we like in life? We like to have the guarantee. Pastor, I'll do X, Y, or Z, Z as long as you give me the guarantee that it's going to work out okay. And we want, we want to tell God that. God, I'll do what you tell me to do as long as there's a certainty on the other side. Jonathan didn't even have that. He, all he knew was, was who God was. He understood the character and the nature of God. And if you understand that, that's enough. He says, nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. 
you know the young man, this armor bearer, and this is good for, for all of the disciples in this place to understand. He says, do all that you have in mind. There was an element of trust here. He might not have seen exactly the way Jonathan saw it, but he had trust in Jonathan. He says, do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead. I'm with you, heart and soul. Isn't that what all of us want in our, in our children or our family and those that are around us and especially in, in disciples? We want people that are with us, heart and soul. Even if you can't see it, even if you don't have a clear understanding of what next year holds, which certainly Pastor Blake doesn't see the future. We don't, we don't know where we're going to be a year, five years down the road. But he says, I am with you, heart and soul. And Jonathan said, come on then, we will cross over towards them and let them see us. And if they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we'll stay where we are. We won't go up. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. That's his, that's his word. Hey, I've got confidence. God's going to do it, and so let's go. And Jonathan climbed up using his hands and his feet with his armor bearer right behind him. And the Philistines fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. And it says in that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about a half an acre. You know, when we risk for the cause of God, we're taking a step, even in our ignorance, but we're not ignorant of God. We might be ignorant of the situation. We might not have a clear understanding of, of what it is that we're doing, but we're not ignorant of God. God is faithful. He's not a man. It says he is not a man that he would lie. Did he say it? Will he not bring it to pass? There are so many things that we can point back to in the Word of God that we apply them in our own lives, in our own situations, and that God can do it in us just as much as he can do it in somebody else. We wonder, God, why aren't you doing such and such in my life? God wants to do that. He wants to give a breakthrough. There are so many ideas. Listen, every, there, there are so many opportunities for making money. There's so many, so many ways. God can do it. He can do it right here in this congregation right here. He can, all it takes is one idea, one thought, one, one supernatural thought or idea, and God can do a miracle in your life or in, in, in your family. But risk is woven into the very fabric of our lives. Think about, think about how ignorant we are. We don't have any idea what's going to happen in the next five minutes or 10 minutes. We don't know what's going to happen. We can't see, we can't see an hour into the future. We, we, we're ignorant of those things. But did you know that God never takes risk? He never takes a risk because he can see what's coming down the line. So for him, it's not a risk. He sees, he sees five minutes into the future. He sees a year into the future. And when God calls us and he gives a, a word and, he's, and we're listening to his voice and he speaks to us, there's no risk in that. It's God that brings it to pass. 
He already knows what's going to happen. He's waiting on us to step into that, that place of obedience so that he can begin to fulfill his will in our lives. It's, it, I know it sounds far-fetched and it sounds difficult, but it's really not that difficult. It's pretty simple. And, and God is waiting on us to do something in us. There's an opportunity. The second thing is there's opportunity in risk. Opportunity is disguised by God. In James 4 and 13, listen to what he says in James 4. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why do you not even know what will happen? Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live like this and do this or that. You know, God is always, he's always at work. He's always trying to work a miracle in, in, a, in a situation. He's always working to bring people back into his plans and his purpose and his destiny. And we, we sometimes, we, we, we hold people at arm's length when God's trying to, he's trying to work a miracle in them. He's trying to bring them back. There's, there could be an opportunity at work there in that person's life, and, and it's, all, it's constantly taking place. We have to be spiritually aware of what God is doing. People that are, that are carnal, people that have a, a, we just think about, you know, all we think about is sports, all we think about is the things that we're doing and our, our responsibilities. We never tune into the, the voice of the Holy Spirit. We cannot know what God is doing and where he's leading us. There, there's something so valuable in, in finding a place in that prayer room before the service. There's something so valuable about finding a place before you run out the door. You know, sometimes we're, we're, we're late, late, late. We're last minute on everything, and we just barely got time to run out the door and get to work. How can we hear from God? How can we know what God wants to do when there's never any relationship or fellowship there? That's something that we must place a priority on. Well, that means in order to do that, well, you say, Pastor, I, I, I won't be able to sleep. Well, maybe we need to turn the television off at night before we go to bed. Maybe go to bed a little bit earlier. Maybe move some distractions out of our lives. If, if, maybe you're a, a night person. Well, spend time with them at night. However, you have to do it. But there has to be a place where we get in the presence of God and we are spiritually aware of what God wants to do so that we can recognize an opportunity when an opportunity comes. If you've always got one foot in the world and one foot in the church and, you've, and, and, and you, know, you reserve your spirituality for Sunday or for when you're going to be at church, you can't hear from God. You won't see an opportunity, but a person that's walking with him and says, God, I, today, I need you to lead me. Holy Spirit, I need you to lead me today. I, I pray, Father, that you would give me an opportunity to, to touch somebody's life. Give me an opportunity to minister to somebody. God, I pray that you would speak to me through, through some situation today. You remember the woman that broke the, the alabaster box, that, that perfume, and anointed Jesus even when nobody else saw it or appreciated it, here she saw a, an opportunity. She could have thought, well, I'll do it next week. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll do it uh, uh, you know, next month. There will be another opportunity. There's all these people here. I can't really embarrass myself in this situation. 
Here the house was full, and she took what was valuable, would have been a year's wages, that perfume, and, and everybody. And if you look at that, that story in every gospel, everybody, including the disciples, thought that she was crazy and that she'd, she'd made a mistake. But she had an opportunity, and it was recognized by Jesus. It was a moment in time where she was able to be used by God to anoint Jesus for burial when nobody else was, was willing to do that. What about the woman at, at Zarephath when she, her and her son are dying of starvation? And here the prophet says, go and make me a cake first. There's a window of opportunity. It was an extreme risk. She didn't, she, she says, he, he says, uh, could you get me a drink of water? I'm thirsty. And she, she starts to walk off a little bit, and then he calls out after her, and he says, oh, and by the way, would you make me a cake too? And now she says, now, you know, the water I can do, but my son and I are about to die. All I have is just enough food, the meal and the oil, to make one little last meal for the two of us, and then we're going to die. He says, okay, make me a cake first, and then make one for yourself. Now, that's a, that's a pretty tall order, isn't it? I mean, it's not like she has enough for two or three. It's just for the, it's just make one, one meal and that's it. It's over. But because of that risk, the Bible says for the next three and a half years, the oil and the barrel of, of meal, it did not run dry. God met her. God did something supernatural he wasn't doing for anybody else. Somebody could say, well, why doesn't God do this type of thing in my life? If you want to see God's best and you want to see breakthroughs, you have to be able to listen to him and be able to take the risk when the opportunity is there because it can go away. I think it was uh, Jim Elliott. Do you remember the story of Jim Elliott who went to the Aka Indians back in the 1950s, flew there with his family, you, uh, they, they went down into Ecuador, into the jungles down there, I believe it was, and here they go with their families, and they gave their lives down there. They were, they were ultimately killed, and later they saw the, the entire tribe give their lives to the Lord, but they were killed for the gospel, and he wrote this in his, in his journal when he was in, at college, at Wheaton College. He says, the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized during the lifetime of the opportunity. That's a pretty good quote, isn't it? The opportunity of a lifetime must be seized during the lifetime of the opportunity. In other words, that opportunity may not come up again. It, it, may, it may be that this, is, this was the window, and when the window was open, that's where we step in. But that involves risk, and risk involves having faith in God. And when there's faith in God, there's power to see miracles take place. And that's what brings me to number three. And the last thing is that there is a reward for risk. You know, opportunities always have a price tag. Opportunities have a price tag. Somewhere there's a sacrifice that's made. Somebody takes a step, and they, they, they go against what everybody else is doing, what everybody else is saying. You say, no, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it this way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to trust God in this. I know it goes against my thinking. I know that, that this is not what my family would recommend. 
I know that's not what they would suggest, but I know that I've heard from God, and I don't want to just live an average life. I don't want to just do what I've done for the last five years or ten years and get what I've always got. I want God to do something new. That's how this year can shape out to be a better year than last year. If you want what you got last year, just do everything you did last year. But if you want God to do something new in your life, you're going to have to take some some risks. This is is part of what we're doing in our church up there, making these changes, moving into small groups with our church and, and, and making some adjustments there. We know that God is leading us, and we're taking this step in this direction. We're trusting in God. We're following the, the voice of the Holy Spirit. And it's, it says here, 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 out of all of these people, here's Jonathan and his armor bearer. Did you know that in this story, there are only two swords in all of Israel? Just two. Out of all the men, out of all Saul's men, and, and Saul has one, and Jonathan has the other one. You know where all their weapons are? They, had, they sent them out to be sharpened. They're all being sharpened somewhere. It's not like they have backup and then there's extra resources. It's just two swords and all of these men. Saul's got the other one. And Jonathan, his son, has that one. And by faith, he's being obedient to God. And I want you to know it is, it is right for us to risk everything for the cause of Christ. It's right for us. It's an opportunity. Maybe you remember the story of Esther. Esther was one that took a risk for the things of God. You know, she was given an opportunity, and Mordecai, her uncle, says to her, if you don't do this, if you don't take this opportunity and stand for your people at this time, in this little window of opportunity, God will raise somebody else up. God will use somebody else. Imagine here she is, she's, she's given a position, and now the king has called her, and she's one of the, the, the ladies, young ladies there. And she's about to, she has an opportunity as queen to knock on the door of the king. And she can knock. And really, this was, this was against protocol because you didn't, you didn't go in unless you were called for It was totally out of character, but she had an opportunity, and she says, you know what, I'm going to do it. You know, she knocked on that door. He could have have just said the word, and she would have been done. But it was an opportunity that she did not want to miss. She didn't know the outcome. She doesn't have revelation from God on all of this. All she understood was this is the right thing to do. David, think of David for a moment when Goliath is, is taunting all this army, this, all of these men, these, these seasoned soldiers, and they, they are t- he's taunting the God that they serve and all of these men. And he's, he's, just a, he's just a boy. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is this guy that's mocking our God? And by faith, he, in a window of opportunity, he did what nobody else had the courage to do. Are these guys, are these just like superhuman people that are just in another category from you and me and, and, and we're not even at their level? No, it's available to every single one of us and you'll have your own giants. You'll have your own battles. 
they're going to be, you're, you'll have your own armies. There's going to be things that the, the rest of the world is going one direction, and you'll have to make a stand and say, you know what? It might be that God will move in our favor if we take this step, whatever it is. Could be in your family finances, could be in your marriage, could be in a relationship with somebody in your family. It could be that God would, would honor this. I would rather step out in faith and take the risk and see the power of God work than to miss out completely and, and move in a direction and never see it. Say, so, well, well how, will I, how will I know? You, you, just, you just go through and if you don't take any risk, you just kind of go along with the crowd and you get what you always got. I want to do something for God. I believe this church is doing something for God. And you won't see it. You may not see it tomorrow. You might not see it in the next month. But as time goes by, you look back and you say, wow, what, what a miracle, what God has done. It blows my mind. I do that now. I know Pastor Blake does the same, and you probably, many people here do just as well. Imagine where you would be if you hadn't met Jesus when you did. If you hadn't given your life to the Lord, think about where you could have been. Now think about 10 years from now. Where do you want to be? What do you want God to be doing in your life? Some of you, you, may, you won't be here. Some of you may be planting a church somewhere, preaching the gospel somewhere. Somebody might be overseas somewhere. I don't know what God has, but I know with God everything is possible, and if we don't take risks, we never see his power in its fullness. Amen? Let's bow our heads across this place. I'm just in reverence to the Lord. I'll tell you, it, faith involves risk. And that risk looks very different in different people's lives. Everybody's in a different place. Everybody's dealing with, with different things. But there are a few things that every risk taker has in common. Every person that takes a risk has these three things in common. Number one, fear. Fear will hold you back. But they all experience fear. The second thing is that they, they do it afraid. They do it afraid. And number three, they have God's favor. They have the favor of God. Maybe God's dealing with somebody here about an area, a thought, some, maybe, I don't know what it is. I'm not even going to put the idea in your head. I just know that there's some here you're dealing with, with taking a step of faith. And I want to encourage you, let God lead you and give you direction. It could be in the area of your finances. It could be in a lot of areas. We've got our own areas, Emily and I, things that we're, that we've, we've prayed about, things that we know God is leading us in. But before we find a place to pray and we make decisions and we talk to the Lord and we close out this day, I want to ask how many in this place you are not right with God. That means you don't know Him as your Savior. There's sin in your life. In some place, there's, you, you've allowed the devil to deceive you, and you can't say, that your heart is right with God. I'm not talking about being a good person. I, there, there are a lot of good people. I've met a lot of good people. 
they were the, the, they were the, the most honest. They were moral, but they did not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I'm not talking about just being a good person. If you were to step into eternity, where would you spend eternity? How many across this place, you don't know Jesus, you don't have salvation in your heart, and you say, I, I need him tonight. I need Jesus to forgive me. Would you pray for me? Amen. I see your hand, brother. Amen. How many more? How many more? Would just raise it up and put it back down? Amen. I see this one. Praise God. Maybe you're away from God and you say, you know, I, I was with God. I walked with him. I had a relationship, but I lost my way. I want to come back to, back to Jesus. I want to come back home. How many? That's you. You say, pray for me. Remember me, Pastor. When you pray, count me in. Praise God. Let's all stand together in this place. You know, I, I need God to help me just like you do. I don't, have the, I don't have all of the answers. I have to trust God just like you do. And I pray, God, help me to hear from you. Help me to be in tune with what you're doing. Help me to be led not by flesh, not by my own, you know, things that I want. But, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? Where are you taking us? God, I want to hear your voice. That's what we need. We depend on him. And we're going to open these altars. We're going to lift our hands and worship the Lord. If you lifted your hand for salvation or you, you just like to come and find a place to pray, let's do that. Let's not leave today without making some decisions and some commitments and maybe settling some things when it comes to this area of faith and risk. Maybe you're praying about a, a big decision. Maybe, you're, maybe you've been wrestling with some area of your life. You just need God to help you. Talk to him about it. Open up your heart to him. God, I need, your, I need to hear from you about this. Lord, I pray that you speak to me. I pray that you would touch me. Help me to hear from you, God. I want to be sensitive to your voice. Hallelujah.